It's Off Exit 10, presented by Capital District Sport and Fitness. Well, it's like with you. we got to get them into town yep. if they're not from around here to find a time that works. And I'd rather do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. As you can see, it took me, what, five years to finally get by the gym? Dude, I've Matt, been trying. It's, <laughs> Matt, it's crazy. So, yeah, we have Matt Corbeau on today. And we met when I was living in Boston. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know what year. Those years were great. Those years are kind of a blur to me. But probably 2014, I think it'd be 14. 2014. Yep. Yeah, we were saying off camera, last time I saw you, we got sushi and Waltham, and I probably moved back here like the next day or two. Pretty sure it was the next day. Yeah. <laughs> I think you were back. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. Yeah, that was a wild time, because it was October, Sam and I got married in September, and I was like, okay, we're going to do our honeymoon, we went to Italy, and then we go back to Boston, and we just kind of pick up with life, and then it was probably that next week where Sam was like, hey, I'm looking at other jobs, I got an interview in, uh, in Pittsfield. And if I get it, we're going to move back home. And I was like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) We just got back from Italy. Just trying to like readjust to the time zone. Um, And I was like, what am I going to do? And she was like, you're going to open up the gym now. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Okay, here we roll. And it's funny every time I hear that story too, because I've known Mike my whole life. We talked about this right before. I've known him pretty much my whole life. And I've known Sam the same amount of time, if not a year longer, because Sam and I are the same age. And hearing him say that and how it went down does not surprise me at all. Not surprise me at all that Sam was like, this is what we're doing. You're going to open the gym and it's going to happen. And now here we are. How, how'd you end up in Boston? Because you're an upstate New York guy too. Yep. Western New York. Western New York Go guy. Go Bills. <laughs> Go Bills. <laughs> They're only New York team. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I met my wife at a triathlon camp, of course. It's always the... Funny story. Um, but she lived in Boston, and the guy that was coaching me in the coaching group was all based out of Boston. And so I was middle 20s chasing triathlon because I thought that was the coolest thing at the time. Um, so I wanted to just, hey, I'll move over. You coach me. I'll live in your basement. It'll be great. And Kate lived here. So obviously that was good. And then I've, I've been here for 10 years. Um, and she grew up in Medfield. We live one town over in Millis. And that's, that's, that's how it's been. <laughs> Haven't left. Um, you know, miss home at times. The riding's great, family and all that. But um, like I was telling you earlier, you know, Kate's sister, brother-in-law, two kids live a mile away. Mm-hmm. So my daughter, Claire, who's four, has nephews that are five and seven. Yep. Um, so it, it's easy. Yeah. Like I said, family's right there. And her parents down the Cape. Everything works pretty good that way. Yeah, to have the child care is, is huge. But triath—that's the first time I got introduced to triathlon when I met you and then that group of people, and I was like, "Holy shit! It's a—it's just a time-consuming sport, <laughs> like because you have to train running and cycling and swimming, and all you guys had a job too." Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Semi. Semi. <laughs> Semi. <laughs> I mean, you know, we can jump. Triathlon is probably the the middle of my life so far. Um, you know, we can jump in to wherever you want. You know, that was where I met you. Mm-hmm. I was at a an interesting part of my life. That was a good part because I ended up meeting Kate, my wife, that we have a kid and all that good stuff. Um, but it was definitely like a middle part, my mid, middle 20s crisis. Um, 
and then I have some different chapters on both sides. Right. <laughs> Is that what you feel like you did? Like I need something to do, some physical outlet, so you jump to triathlon? Yeah, eventually. I mean, I you know, as, as Mike knew me, we connected because I played baseball. Mm -hmm. I think you guys are all baseball guys. Mm -hmm. This whole gym's probably built on baseball. I'm looking at two jerseys and all the college uh, t-shirts on the wall. Um, but yeah, I was just a you know, young kid that was good at baseball early. And all my other friends played lacrosse and got D1 scholarships, of course. I stuck with baseball because I was good when I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, played varsity when I was like 14. Um, and you know, you're really good when you're in your local scene and you're small or big fish in a small pond. Um, so that I, you know, I love baseball, I love sports. Uh, I was a runt in the football team, but I played all the positions and mm -hmm. started just cause I was a grinder. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, once you go to college and you realize people are actually good and you're not as good as them at skilled sports. Um, I lifted a lot and then found my way into endurance stuff and actually I was good at it and then that took off and I just chased that for like five or six years um and I should have been doing that my whole life <laughs> funny how you learn that now but yeah. um but who knows maybe you wouldn't love it now because you did it so much as a kid yeah know? it just wasn't so. you know listen to your other podcasters you talk about like good mentors and people that you have um that just wasn't around it was traditional sports yeah mm -hmm. well how big was your high school you know, graduating class of 115. Right. Yeah, that's like you know, where we're at. That's probably like a little bit bigger than we were. Yeah. Around here is wild. So when I was in Boston, right, I worked in Needham. So you had like you had like Needham, Wellesley. Those are the two big ones I can think of, but they were big high schools. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know what graduating class was there, probably in the sixes and the fives. <laughs> and then that's the first time I got exposed to like the politics of high school sports. I remember being like, holy shit, this is wild. And I was like, I can't wait to move back to New York to avoid it. And then I moved back here and you get introduced to the biggest high schools like Shenandoah. There's some others. They graduate like 800. Yeah. And the politics are just as, just as crazy. Mm -hmm. I yeah. feel like there's a benefit to going to a small school, smaller town. You could play multiple sports. You don't get pressured into specializing. You can kind of be like us, like smaller dudes who just kind of grind their way through. Yep. Like yeah. your skills aren't the best. No, you have a you have a, a subset of athletes, and every coach is trying to take that, you know, for their sport because yeah. you, you know they have to fill it for spring, fall, winter, all that, and you're trying to pull the best athlete into your sport. Yeah, and keep them there all year. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what they do nowadays. So, nowadays, yeah. yeah, it wasn't like that with us though. Because no. would you play baseball, football, and basketball for a little while? Uh, you know, five eight. Listen, <laughs> it showed up when I was a junior. <laughs> Listen, I played football, basketball, and I was, or baseball, and I was on the basketball team. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. on the team. Yep. I didn't play a lot, but I was on the team. Ditto. Ditto. So I, I get it. I'm five, nine and a half. It's not that, you know, not that much. Different. Yeah. You know, I'm right there. Yeah. I love football though. Football's Football my sweet. Shit. I should have kicked at Fisher. That's what I should have done. I think I could have gone places. Like so the you, Bills. You, you kicked, you kicked all through high school. Yeah. Cause my neighbor had a goalpost. Okay. Yeah. He, my neighbor had an accident when he was in little league, like I don't know what happened exactly, but he hurt himself, so he couldn't be like a middle linebacker. Um, so, it, it, whatever, twelve years old, it was like you can't be a middle linebacker. You can't tackle people for you know all day. You're gonna get hurt. And so he just became this awesome kicker. He went to Alfred, an awesome okay. college kicker. Still lives in in Penyan. Uh, Pat Brewer, in my was my neighbor. But yeah, he, I had a goalpost with a net. 
we had a light that was on top of my dad's garage that he'd point. And so after Pat moved away, you know, I had free reign just to go kick footballs whenever I wanted. Um, so that's why I was a kicker. I had played other positions. Too, uh, what, what year were you at Fisher? I went to Fisher from spring of 04, or no, fall of 04 to 08. Okay, so you were you went there like right after, like my sister was probably there a little bit while you were there because she went to Fisher, but she's nice. a little, she's in her early 40s, so she was there, I think, 99 to okay. 03 or 04. Did she play like sports that. or anything? No, she didn't. She's just super freaking smart. Yeah? Yeah, oh, she's super freaking smart. Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I almost went there. I was close, but yeah. <laughs> then I found Cortland and... Yep. That's, that's where I ended up. But nice. Fisher was a very close second on my list. Yeah, that's a big deal now. They're a university mm-hmm. you know, that looks apart. It was different 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah sports recruiting ago. is crazier now, even at D3. Because even when I was at Springfield, it was like I emailed the coach yeah. once or twice, right? This is how it was. Yep. I, when I went to visit the campus, I just met him in his office. Yep. You'd send them like a fucking DVD. Oh, mm-hmm. I have videotape. A video did, you t- have, did you ever go to the, again, listen to your other podcast to try and bone up? Um, they have all these things now. I'm sure you go to all different camps all over, but like we had like one and it was some dad was a part of this, like probably Ponzi scheme. <laughs> and it was like, you're going to send all your kids to New New Hartford or wherever, and you're going to go to this field and they're going to tape you. And then this tape is going to go to all your coaches and we'll get you into college. And I was like, okay. Yeah. It was a videotape. We could have done it at our high school. Yeah. That's what, it, okay. <laughs> there was no, there was no need to go to like yeah. Hartford no, to th- do this Think stuff. about this now, guys. This is, cause now it's like you have PBR and perfect game. I mean, people are shelling out big money to get these I don't these even tapes. know any of those names, but it's the just, way. it's just like, it's it. like showcase camps yeah. that there are. But yeah, when I went to send a tape out to colleges, I went to All Stars Academy, which is still a thing. And now it's like a giant money machine for all of this recruiting. But I literally was on a Sunday, probably like one light on in the place. And this guy who owns it, Mike Sterbolic, had a, yeah, fucking DVD, like handheld camera and like ripped me some fungos. We videoed it, rounded BP, we videoed it. And that was it. Here's the invoice, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Sirianni. Yeah, there you go. And then you <laughs> sent that in. Yeah. I, I did like a little bit of football stuff with uh, like Fisher was one of the few schools I actually went to and like talked to the coach and mm-hmm. went looked How old around. Are you? 33. 33. Yeah. I mean, Fisher's a great program. We yeah. had Robinson. You remember, did, mm-hmm. He would have been a little bit older than you, but yeah. the name Robinson and Fehrenbach um, were two studs when I was there that yeah. was you know, taking them pretty deep in the playoffs. Because they were good when I was going there and like going for the recruit. The only reason, honestly, the big reason why I didn't go there was because I originally was going for phys ed and they didn't have phys ed. Okay. So I would have had, I would have done either education or sport management there. So I was like, well, Cortland is like the best phys ed school. Yep. So I was like, that's where I'm going to go. Plus when I stepped on Cortland's campus, I was like, yeah, this feels right. And that's why I tell kids in here. I'm like, you'll know when the school feels right. Like, yeah. If you're hesitant about something, go to visit another school maybe and see if that school feels right. Because mm-hmm. I knew right away, I was like, "Yeah, this yeah, is." Yeah, well, look at you. You did how many years did you play baseball at Fisher? About a year and a quarter. Yeah, year and a quarter. <laughs> how How did you know you were done? How did I know I was done? Yeah, um, I wasn't good enough. There was there was no spot in the future for me. You know the, uh, yeah, I had like one hit my freshman year. It was a triple, absolute <laughs> bomb. Um, against Fredonia, I think. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, like I, I went there and then the year that I came in, they brought in the the junior college or was, it, I'm sorry, Juco? Is that what? Yeah. yeah. Like kind of below D3. Yeah, when like a, two, a two-year school. Yeah, he was, so he was at Alfred um, Fetzner. Awesome dude. He was my roommate. Super good guy. But they brought him in. He was the Juco player of the year and he was a second base. 
And I came there to play second base. So I was like, cool. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so I'm not going to play. And then he actually played, he had like a full two years. So, you know, that spot was gone. And then, yeah. And again, listen to your other podcast. Like I didn't have, I had a really good high school coach, like really, really good high school coach. And um, it was different in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that same feeling wasn't around. And I, I did, I waffled and I, yeah. I didn't progress. Um, so my time was up. But it, it sucked, and like a lot. Like my gloves are still stacked up in the corner of my office. Like I've played catch twice, probably since I stopped playing. Well, do you ever have the itch to play? No, neither do I. I was done. It was over. Like I thought I had. I'm like an athlete. I think that's very delusional, and I think that I'm really good at everything. I think I have to. Mm-hmm. I'm short. Mm-hmm. I'm not strong. I'm mm-hmm. not gift. Like why is that? Is it just <laughs> why? But a lot of. That's like the MO of like a D3 baseball player. I'm the same. A lot of other kids we have in here are the same. They're like really good endurance athletes. I guarantee if you went in endurance, you'd be good because it's just a mindset. I think of you're not, you're not the physically gifted D1 six foot three dude that can just stand up and just lob bombs over the Mm -hmm. right field fence. Just not going to happen. So you got to find out other ways to do it. And it probably helps in a lot of respects in life and work. You created a whole gym for yourself out of nothing yeah um but it's a different it's a different mentality but yeah i mean it was it was time to move on and the it's probably really telling i mean within i think two weeks of stopping playing baseball i had like cleared out my apartment sublet it to somebody else applied and got a study abroad thing for the next six months in london and on january i went to buffalo bills game uh they got I forget what year that was. They got smoked by somebody, of course. Went to that game, and then I was out of the country on, like, January 6th. Gone. <laughs> and then came back in June. Um, that was just, I don't know, I think that's probably pretty telling of the person. I mean, on the spot, let's, all right, let's change something. On, on, to, the, on to the next thing. Yeah. I wonder, what year do you think it was the Bills? I wonder who the quarterback was then. Well, if it was. It would have been 06. 06. Uh, January 06. Probably, um, like, Trent Edwards. Yeah, it was like in the in-between time before we had Fitzpatrick, I think. Maybe J.P. Lozman could have been the quarterback. <sighs> yeah, J.P. was 04. He was right around when I so went to school. It probably would have been Trent Edwards then because I think he was after Lozman. And then you had Fitzpatrick. <laughs> I try to forget all those just yeah, well, you, I know, muddling okay, quarterbacks. So the, I mean, you were so little, but the Bills were what? The early 90s, 90, 91, 92, Yeah, I caught, the, t- I caught the end, you know, 93, 94, mm-hmm. um, when they were still pretty good. I have a lot of different stories on the Bills, but... The best one is that uh, my parents sold a house to uh, to a guy that owned a telecom thing up in Rochester, um, Indian family, and was real good friends with Daryl Talley. And so Daryl Talley used to come to the lake every year, um, where I grew up on Cuca Lake. And when he came down, you know, they were nice enough to invite a few of the kids over um, that were fans. And so Daryl would be there with his, like, blood-strewn Super Bowl jersey. And, like, I got a picture of me in the newspaper with Daryl's jersey, Daryl next to me. That's um, pretty cool. So you're kind of a Bills fan for life when that stuff happens. Oh, yeah. Who's QB, Jay? Did you look it up? Yeah, 06 was Lostman, 07 Edwards. Okay. That was pretty close. They rolled through. I mean, how many quarterbacks then do they have probably from 06 until? 06 until Josh Allen? A lot. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't horrible when we had – it was um, – you know, we we had Flutie for his magic run for a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and then they, for some reason, uh, benched him before the Music City Miracle. 
Then we had Bledsoe, which is great. Yeah. Bledsoe used to live a town over from me now in Medfield. All people remember him. Uh, yep. Um, he played for my, I'm a Cowboys fan. He played for played for the Cowboys. For yeah, on his farewell tour. Yep. <laughs> yep. Then he lost his job again. Yep. <laughs> he was he was a quarterback before Brady, right? He yeah, he lost yep. his job to injury twice. Yeah. He lost it to Brady. He got a ring though. Yep, he got a ring. And he was a key reason why they won that ring, because he mm-hmm. had to come in and play for Brady. Mm-hmm. Um and then he lost his job to Romo in Dallas because he got hurt in Dallas. He got like a concussion or something again because the guy had a lot of concussions. Yeah, fun <laughs> fact, but so I, I bought like a or twenty bucks a, a like a PSA ten rookie uh, of a Bledsoe couple couple months ago. Oh nice. yeah, are you yeah. are you a cards guy? I, I kind of got back into it lately. Dude, I, I I did it because of Josh. Um, I just started. My buddy owned a. Um, Nettie, my friend that I used to work with at, at Norm Attack, he owned it up. He opened up a card shop on the side, oh. and um, so I was always like, "Hey, man, you got any Josh Allen's?" Uh, and he's like, "Ah, not really." And then one day out of the blue, like two years ago, he's like, "Hey, man, I'm at a show. There's a Josh Allen card. It's pretty good." I'm like, "How much is it?" He's like, seven hundred dollars." I'm like, "That's a lot." <laughs> and he goes, "Okay, hold on." And he goes back. He's like, "It's five twenty-five." <laughs> it's like it's a good deal you should do it and I did it and so I've got this like uh, graded card I only graded out like an 8 but it's a PSA 8 Josh Allen stained glass 2018 rookie Um, so I try to buy you know the Josh Allen cool stuff but then you know there's a card shop that's near me in my house and I go over there and you get sucked into that Dude, world yeah. yeah i mean jordan how I love it how how heavy is our dad into cards and more than anyone i know more than, where does he send it into because i go to PSA. He oh, he goes PSA. PSA. i go to yeah. sgc a lot now okay yeah you quicker have turn to have that debate with him quicker turn yeah, yeah but psa sure. is a long return and he'll be like i have to bunch together yeah. say 50 to send in yeah. to make it worth correct right, if funny. you send like one card in it's 50 yeah. bucks but if you bulk like 20 it's 15 a pop something like that right can I tell a cool story? Yeah. So, that's why we're here. That's, okay, that's so you, why we're here, Matt. This is what I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> so um, a year year and a quarter ago, whatever. So F1's huge. Um, or peaks and valleys because it starts every March. It's huge. So anyways. Wait, they, what's huge? F1. That's Formula the race One cars. racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. the Netflix drive to survive. Yeah, they, it got, it's gotten really big because yeah, of that Netflix series. Yeah, blew it up. Okay. And, and Lewis Hamilton. So they came out in 2020 with their first tops chrome set of cards and so i missed that i didn't even know what was going on but the next year last year um which is 22 with a 21 season um so those cards are out and he's like hey man you should get some cards i went over to shop i bought i don't know four or five packs got some cool cards they're like 50 dollars a pack or 64 and i was like oh man this is cool and i started looking up all everything online and it was going on it was on fires end of february right right when the season gets kicked off, everybody's all fired up. And so I'm seeing the prices skyrocket. And it was right before the cards really peaked in 22. So I bought a box at 700 retails at like 450. And then I bought a box, another one on eBay for like 850. So I'm probably $1,600 into these. This shit becomes a business dude. So I got nothing out of them. Right. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I let it sit all summer and I have the boxes unopened. And then I'm just like, screw it. The market's tanking. I'm just going to open these for fun. And I did it in like 20 minutes. Just rip, rip, rip. <laughs> and then I put them in a box. I didn't think I had anything. And I came back a year later. And I see I've got a rookie. And I've got these cool things. So I'm like, oh, I'll put it on eBay. I'll see what's going on. And before before I launched it, I forget who it was. I was asking somebody what I had. And he's like, holy cow. 
like, I'll give you $2,000 for that card raw. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? So I pulled, I pulled the listing down before I, before I like put it out there for real. So I was scared. I was like, oh my God, I was, I thought I was going to get a hundred bucks. Right. <laughs> And so I go and on raw and raw is people listening raw is it's not graded, not graded. And not a, Yeah. And a grade is Jay, just explain the grades. People, people listening, they're like, what are you talking about? A uh, graded card. You send it into a company who examines the, uh, the edges of the card, the centering of the image, just the quality it grades, the quality yeah. of right. the card. Okay. And so if you get a 10, it's like a Holy grail and you know that that card is completely mint and you basically, um, you validate, validated everything about that card. You, it's the best one you can find of, of that. So this card's a three out of five, um, Oscar Piastri. And he's a rookie that got put on McLaren. So he got a seat on a real real deal team. He's one F2, one F3, the, the kind of the minor leagues. So he's got this big pedigree. And so everybody's hot on him. And uh, so the guy's like, yeah, you can get this raw. And then I reached out to a dude on Instagram that I follow randomly. I was like, messaging him like hey man what should i do and he's like you need to send this to psa immediately like pay for the expedited version of it do all that and see what you got so you don't leave anything on the table because if it's if it's a 10 graded then the cost is yeah it could be anything so some dude wants to give me a thousand bucks for it completely raw and he's like just send it in you might you never know what it's gonna get okay so i do it and i get a 10 so I get this thing back. Oh, God. It's a 10. <laughs> and I did all the tips that he told me. It was so good. Like, nobody ever tells you you take painter's tape. You take painter's tape, blue stuff, take it around the edges, and you get all the, sh- all the shit off. I can swear, right? Are you, yeah, you can fucking swear. Are you, are you scared you're going to damage it? <laughs> uh, yeah. I yeah. got, I got um, latex doctor's gloves on. I'm, like, shaking. Dude, I'm so sweating. Like, this, this thing's Matt, worth something. I'm zero for at least 30 and putting the, like, screen protectors on my iPhone without <laughs> messing it up. So I'm, like, shaking. I'm doing painter's tape on all the edges. And then you take a microfiber cloth and you clean the front. And I'm really scared on I'd that. I'm terrified. Because you want to make it so the grader has to do nothing, right? And you want it perfect. So I do all that. And then I see something. And I'm like, I don't know if that's part of the card or whatnot. I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, shit, this is going to get nine. <laughs> and then uh, so I send it. It's like 200 bucks to do expedited. But I get it back in a week. And in that time, I go on Facebook. And as soon as I get the grade online... I get into this group because you don't want to sell it on eBay and all this stuff because you don't know who you're doing it. So you want to kind of find somebody that's really into it because then you're going to find the better buyer, somebody that's really into it for the right reasons, somebody that wants to like collect it. And so I put it out there. Hey, I got this. It's PSA 10. He was really popular. Season hat started. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, a lot of juice going right now for it. Anyways, long story short, $4,000. I sold a card for four thousand dollars. <laughs> Holy dude. That's wow. so you made out okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cards. I will never have that happen again. But um yeah. Th- that's the thrilling that's why everybody does it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. People chase that. They chase that exactly. Well, it's, it's similar moment. to the whole like flipping sneakers thing too. Like, you know, you get those mint sneakers that never been worn and yeah. XYZ and but I'm sure they gotta get graded too. What's tough, Matt, is when we grew up cards got overprinted like crazy yeah. yeah so all the cards that we had from our childhood in the 90s i should go early back and 2000s, look to see if i got any yeah they, any good there's ones. so many were printed that you just got devalued because of the the pure volume of each card yep yeah, you're talking about spending like how much on these packs and i'm like dude i spent like 15 bucks on like a pack of like 100 <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it's it's you know the good packs are 60 70 dollars yeah. um for 10 cards yeah. but 
it's gambling. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just another another form of gambling. At least you get to go home with something. Yeah, but. Anyways. You're, not, you're not just going home yeah, empty-handed. That's wild. That's sick, though. <laughs> that's sick. Yeah, that's my that's my card story. What's the best baseball card you have? Well, I uh, some of the most fun ones. I actually just sold them just for I graded it and tried to do it, tried to turn it. Didn't make that much, but the uh, the F face Billy Ripken one. Remember that? Oh, Did you guys on, know that one? On the knob of his yeah. Bath. So oh, I had oh, like yeah. the the real one with the words. I had black blacked out version and. Those are cool. Um, yeah, because the Ripken one, he took like a standing photograph oh, yeah. with his bat, but yeah. on the bottom of the knob, what is it? it said fuckface. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they print and they printed it. Yeah, and then they caught it. And <laughs> it's all the whole big deal. Oh, that's fucking hungry. What's the card, Jay? It was an NBA card where it was like yeah. two two guys on the run. Was it for murder? Or they yeah, were they dr- killed their dad or something. Then went and watched a basketball game, and they're in the back of somebody's card. I'll look up. Are who you it serious? Is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was after the murder. Like they went to the game, right? There. And they happened to be like front row NBA printed on a card. That's I think of that like the the Billy Ripken one. Yeah, more its values because of something that's not yeah, the player. Menendez brothers. The, the Menendez brothers. Whose card were they on? Uh, I'll get there for you. Lyle and Eric Menendez convicted and sentenced in life for the murders of their parents. Um, they were on a Mark Jackson 1990. Shout out Mark Jackson. Jackson. Basketball. Shout Pacers, out Mark Jackson. Indiana Pacers, right? Let's go. He, yeah, it probably was his Pacers card. Number 13. Knicks. Knicks, it was his Knicks card? Oh, Knicks oh that's card. even better. Yeah. yeah. The garden. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good tangent. I like that. Yeah. Cards are wild, man. It's fun. It's a... Uh... I mean, all ours, at least all mine from my childhood, my dad took in the past, I don't know, five years and filtered through and PSA'd and sold. So. Yeah. I'm about to get mine and just send them to Dave and be like, here, Dave, here's another thousand some cards. Yeah, he's got a good eye now. Mm-hmm. That's my whole bedroom. My whole childhood bedroom now is just a card room. Yeah. I mean, it, there's 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 a business in there if you want to hustle. I mean, you can you can turn stuff, but... It takes a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. We got fucked with baseball growing up because none of our baseball cards are worth anything. Not <laughs> everybody. Everybody's on steroids. Yeah, so none of the guys <laughs> that we watch are going to be in the Hall of Fame. No, that's why all the cards like Maguire's and Canseco's and Bonds, all these cool cards that would normally be, you know, skyrocketing Clemens, just yeah, you know, even Griffey. Griffey's so overproduced. I yeah, mean, I've got the Griffey cards, of yeah. course. Yeah, the Jeters um, were overproduced. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's. That it was that era, and like, it's also like, Griffey was the most popular. They, those two are probably the two most popular guys in baseball from '96 to whatever year, yeah. 2000, whenever Jeter retired. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who were your guys growing up, baseball wise? My Lucky. favorite, um, <laughs> tragically, uh, Roberto, Roberto Alomar. Um, he's since uh, kind of <laughs> devalued himself. Yep. What he, what's he? He's done. Uh, well, he had the spitting incident, yeah, um, and he's just kind of not a great human. Yeah, um, I think he's done some bad, not some, some not so great, not a good man. I'll yeah, say, yeah. I'll leave it at that. But growing up, he was he was my favorite. I don't know why either. I think he played for Toronto. Yeah, Toronto he was, was middle, the closest. He was, a, he was, he was a, a second baseman. He was a second baseman. Yeah, and that was your position, like yeah. But it wasn't when I was like a kid. I think yeah. the Blue Jays were awesome when I was young, and uh, I just gravitated towards yeah the middle middle infield was, i wonder I, that must have been i wonder if mickey brantley was the hitting coach at that time for the blue jays because he was with them yeah our, our friend's like uncle was for was a while like 93 yeah he yeah, was probs. probably around that time yeah i mean that was my bread and butter of first really sports i was big into the blue jays because you know they were world series champions like 
three times back to back because of the strike, right? Didn't they go back to back? Well, they then, went they back went 93. To, that's the only one I know for sure because of my birth year. Then it was the back to back because of the strike year, right? So yeah. nobody won. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was the first game I ever went to, first stadium I ever went to. You know, got up to Toronto. We were watching the game in the in the in the hotel and it was like the sixth inning my dad said let's go take for a walk and we scalp tickets and ended up at the game for the last few innings that was dope it's um, a good time yeah, yeah. scalping then, the ticks yeah and then the next day went for batting practice but you know that was great that was all the rude days and mm-hmm. uh, all those all those legends john olerud wearing the helmet at first base yes yep classic yep. yeah the scalping tickets dad came out to boston once jay and it was the same he's like hey you want to go to a Sox game I was like, sure. We lived in Brighton at the time, so we just took the T to Fenway, walk around. He's like, let's just find somebody selling tickets. Two guys, like, yeah, two. And he looks at he looks at Dad, and he's like, "You're a cop. I'm not selling to you." <laughs> My dad's like, "Well, used to be, <laughs> like, not anymore. It's like, all good. Yeah, like just give me two, please." <laughs> I sniped him right out. I sniped him right out. You're a cop. <laughs> just had that look. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. He's like, not anymore. Yeah, man. Fucking baseball days. In the football days, you played Pop Warner growing up? We played... Or what was youth called? It wasn't Pop Warner. It was just, I don't know, junior football. At like what age, though? Young? Um, So uh, we all started playing soccer, like all of us, at Mm -hmm. second grade. It was awful. Terrible. Um, And then finally, two of my best friends, they they went, we all decided to play flag football when we were in like fourth grade. And then that was it. And then, um, so we had flag football, and then you went to, I guess it was junior football. I can't remember. All I remember is we were all Indian names that are probably super not allowed now. <laughs> you know, we were, I was the Mohegans. We played the Mohawks, Oneidas. That's all of upstate New York. Yeah. Um, our team was, was horrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get them modified in, 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 in like middle school. Um, our team was pretty bad, but. You know, it's it's like the the local uh, politics of dads. You know, all the old dad football players got together, <laughs> brought their kids on. So the Mohawk Blue team was just an absolute powerhouse. Dude, that's that's exactly what it was. Yeah, it's Jay. everywhere. Like <laughs> they're gonna hang out together, so they're just gonna bring their kids. And then, oh yeah, the the, the dads that didn't play football and the runs are gonna go on the on the maroon team. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, shout out. I'm trying to think. We had like Coach Washington, who I remember being great. But then we had like this, this guy, just called him, Sp- I don't even know his real name, Spud. <laughs> you yep. had Spud. You had Jerry Niles. You had uh, oh, Baba. Yeah. When you look back, you're like, he's fucking, you know, as an adult, you look back, you're like, these motherfuckers. Oh, our coach is definitely hungover, if not drunk, every practice. Won't <laughs> 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 oh, name names. <laughs> Yeah, it was an interesting time. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a good introduction. And then, yeah, it just led into uh, middle school football and then obviously JV and varsity. And we had a, we had a good crew. We had a really good coach. Um, he was a uh, you know, good friend of the family and everything. I didn't play my freshman year because I was like, oh, I'm small. I'm, I'm yeah. not built for football. And he was the kind of coach that came over to your house after a season. Like, hey, man, what are you doing? You could definitely come play. That, you know, that, that kind of goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah, but then endurance sports, the shift to that is interesting because now it's like, I guess you have a team aspect, right? But not as much of a team aspect. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty, you're out there alone. But I think the team aspect is more of uh, camaraderie and training. That's you what know, I was the say. people that you spend all your days with, spend 
you know, back when I was really at it, your training camps or people you travel with, so you develop really cool mm-hmm. bonds because you're all doing the same thing. You're all going through this grueling training, so it's like, yeah, you know, it gives you something to connect on and yep. also know, like, okay, I'm not the only one doing this. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the beauty of all sports um, is that you're just kind of going through suffering or a battle or a whatever it is a season and you form friendships with people that you normally not wouldn't i mean the same thing with bike races um i did a race yesterday and you know probably all the people you don't most of them you would never see out there they might not be in your job line of work or they might be younger or older but if they're one of the people that sticks with you, you know, like deep into the race you've created this weird bond mm-hmm. that is seemingly more important than any job you do or any like schooling that you did. It didn't matter if that person never went to college or I did or, or whatnot. You have like this really tight bond that you just, wow, you're, you know, you deserve to be up here. We're, we're cool. Yeah. I'm going to hang out with you after and we're going to chat like how, have this story. How deep into triathlon were you when I met you? Cause I feel like you were Neck Try, deep. Tr- you were trying to become pro or you were already pro? When I met you, I was, I was quote unquote pro and I'll preclude all of this, but I was a very middling pro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to chase it and take it as far as I could as more like a personal endeavor. Um, I, you know, I was an accountant CPA before I found really triathlon. So like I had done that part, wasn't too psyched on that world at that time. And then triathlon let me have this outlet. Um, I, wasn't married didn't have a girlfriend didn't have any responsibilities so I kind of had a bunch of years where I could work at a bike shop which is how I met Mike because he worked on the backside of oh the yeah work, the bike shop yeah, yeah yeah um I could coach I didn't have a lot of expenses um yeah I mean I had I had an opportunity you know, of course my parents didn't let me let me flounder <laughs> mm-hmm. um which is huge not a lot of people have that but they're super supportive to let me have that period in my life that most people probably don't get can't knock that for for anything um but yeah i chased it for like 2010 when i was still working working in 2011 but then i got good enough to go to hawaii and i thought oh, you know i'm still improving i want to take this as far as i can but you did kona did kona as an amateur um yeah wasn't good enough to go there as a professional yeah. but yeah i i you know i slaved away and then uh, in 2014, I could I could race professionally. Like I I got my card. I raced good enough. I was fast enough. Um, so yeah, the years you knew me, like 2013, 2015, 2016, I was I was you know racing at an elite level, and that was pretty much my my whole game. And then when do you? Because now you just cycle, right? Yeah. Um, work, careers, yeah. families. Yeah. yeah, got married. The the cycling's crazy because I feel like there's so many, and I didn't know shit about that either in Boston all of a sudden you're doing like a road race then it's like a fat bike and then it's like some other type of race what's the one where it's like a shorter track cyclocross cyclocross yep yeah Yeah. there's just so many variations yeah endless that's how they get you to buy the bikes (laughs) you need a different bike for everything a different bike you got to get more cards then start selling them i guess there you go 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 find one another 10 out of 10 and yep give another four grand I, i try but you know it was cycling was a natural of course, I picked the most expensive, the most time-consuming. Kate's probably my wife. is super psyched, probably. Um, but it was the one I loved most. It had, you know, bikes are cool. They're sexy. They're fun. They're fast. Uh, a lot of different disciplines. The fact that gravel, I'm sure you guys have at least heard of the name gravel. Like, if you haven't, gravel racing is really cool now. Um, it's bike racing. 
off-road <laughs> and on gravel roads that are super nice. Um, so there's that's just easier to do one sport because when you're doing triathlon, you got to go to the pool, yep. and then you got to fit in a run, and then you got to cycle, and then you got to do that repeatedly, and trying to be you know working on your career, get home, do all that stuff. It's just and you could a, do it, but I want to do it really well. And be a husband and be all you know, all those. Th- it's a lot. It's a yep. lot. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's a sport for like, you know, you're a single dude without yep. a family. Yep. It's like, okay, you can kind of put your time toward all that stuff. But yeah, it gets fucking harder. Mm-hmm. Sure does. It gets a lot, uh, yeah, it gets a lot, a lot harder. So how often do you ride now? Uh, I still ride as much as I could. I would say if you want to quantify it, I used to ride more like 300 miles a week um, when I was working and but didn't have, you know, a kid and you know, when you don't have a kid, there's a little bit more freedoms and stuff like that. And now, who knows? I mean, a couple hundred, 250 at times. I, You know, the best thing, again, I'm kind of taking different things on tangents here, but the best thing has been this program called Zwift. Um, it's an online platform. Um, so I basically play video games every single morning on my bike. <laughs> and the community has been great. Like I met you know, I have a friend that's coming for my, my fundraiser ride and kind of talked about that later, but he's coming all the way from Iowa uh, in two weeks to hang out for the weekend and ride with me. And I've never met him. Um, you know, it's a total virtual relationship. He's one of the nicest dudes I know, uh, always willing to do anything. Uh, his name's Matt as well. He's a CPA. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> but what is it? You ride with other people on, yeah, online? It's, uh, yeah, it's literally a video game. So I have a, my bike hooked to a trainer. And, you know, I got a big screen in front of me and, um, you're, you're just racing people. I mean, you can train and all that, but you know, the, a lot of the relationships have been formed by becoming a part of a team, um, racing other people, uh, you know, COVID hit and then it really ramped up cause nobody could do anything. So this was our only outlet. So we had, you know, um, stage races and there's a whole kind of premier league that, that got kicked up. We actually made some money. Um, and it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's a virtual gaming. Um, but you're, you know, you got a little avatar, you're racing other avatars and you're talking on your discord channel and it's, uh, it's cool, especially for like a working dad. I mean, the five to seven, p- seven AM slot is, is the Holy grail. And so we're always on chatting away, mm-hmm. racing, training, and it's just really, it's good. Cause otherwise I don't know what the heck I'd be. I'd probably be at a gym doing CrossFit and look like Matt Frazier. But now <laughs> instead I look like 150 pounds of nothing. So I guess there could be better things. I could look like an absolute animal, but I chose to, I chose to be an endurance freak. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's people who like, we see kids in here who just like your body type it's just you're you're more of an endurance athlete. That's just how you're structured, like mm-hmm. genetically and your build. Mm-hmm. There's people who are like strength, power, field sports. But then there are people who are like in the middle, mm-hmm. and you're like, well, however you train, your body's gonna is gonna shift toward Towards toward that. that toward that direction. Yep. Yeah, you see, you see that. I'm definitely know? not built for endurance. <laughs> ah, you say that, but you've probably got <laughs> so many years of strength that it's. Oh yeah, I mean, if I really put my mind to it i'm sure but endurance is easier to make adaptations in though Mm -hmm. don't you agree yeah it's just pure brute force of doing something repeatedly like you can do it you just have to want to suffer a lot you'd have to lose weight you'd have to like Mm -hmm. just do that yeah it takes hard work be a paul you think about just like the physiological changes like 
being able to like have your heart fill out and pump up more blood, mm-hmm. have your lung capacity be able to get better, drive your like anaerobic threshold up and your heart rate down, like way easier changes than like learning to squat 315 yeah. right. or being able to improve your vertical jump. Yeah. But it just takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And let's be clear, I got into it because I like competition. Right. Yeah. Not because <laughs> I, you like endurance. Oh, I'm a junkie for competing. Yep. And it was a sport that I could compete at. And that was cool to me. You know, like, I like to win. You know, I like to actually be a part of what I'm doing. So that was fun. To get, I didn't do a lot of it, but, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, mean, I went down the CrossFit path a little bit. And that was part of the reason why, because the mm-hmm. competition part of it. And I did a few, like, local things. But... I also had the realization, I was like, yeah, I'm never going to be good enough to go to the CrossFit Games. Yeah. Like, I had that realization pretty quick. I was like, I fucking hate snatching. <laughs> I'm never going to like this, and I'm never going to be, like, really good at it, so I'm probably not going to make it to the Games. Yep. But, yeah. But you definitely you, need to find that outlet, like, post your competitive absolutely. Sp- like team sports. Mm-hmm. Like, mine was powerlifting when you met me. That's mm-hmm. what I was, like, balls deep into. And you uh, ripped your arm off, didn't I, you? And I... And I ripped my back. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, yeah. Essentially, he ripped his arm. Yeah, off. I remember that. Yeah, it was still attached to the bar, actually. Yeah, bench pressing. I, uh, I had a, I'll name drop just for us. I, I ripped my pack at lunch benching. Mm-hmm. Like a, I just benched too much during the week and yep. too much weight, like overall. Yeah. So remember, I'm benching at lunch. It's but not much on the bar. It's 185, and I just hear like somebody like sh- like ripped a towel in my ear, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> not good so i get up i'm like is it my rotator cuff no and i'm like oh it must be my pec and i had a angle was my next mm-hmm. my next session yeah he came in i was like bro i'm not gonna demo anything right now like i think i just i think i just tore my pec last hour and you know him he's probably yeah. just like hey, whatever. Fucking, whatever bro you'll be fucking okay <laughs> yeah you weren't you weren't <laughs> No, no, I wasn't. That's for sure. Was that the end of the powerlifting? That was it. Yeah, that was it, man. Yeah, I was done. I think I realized quick. Well, that was like my in your twenties. You think you're fucking invincible, and in ways I still do. But you have things like that that keep you in check, and you're like, ah, that was like my first real moment where I was like, oh, I can't just do whatever I want with no repercussions anymore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We get older, you start to realize that. Yeah, and that was that. This episode of Off Exit 10 is brought to you by Drink Alchemy. Fatigue and brain fog affect us all, destroying everything we pursue. Whether as an athlete, artist, creator, or entrepreneur, our mind holds the key to performing optimally. By combining the most potent organic nootropics found in nature, Drink Alchemy delivers sustainable boost to creativity, memory, energy, and focus in one epic beverage. Stop pumping your body full of excessive amounts of caffeine and unknown proprietary blends from other energy drinks and get clean energy from Drink Alchemy's natural nootropics like lion's mane, L-theanine, and caffeine from green tea. Used by Olympians, D1 athletes, MMA fighters, and entrepreneurs, Drink Alchemy has become a huge part of my daily routine making sure I'm functioning optimally during long days of coaching athletes, running CDSF, and getting in quality workouts myself. So do yourself a favor and ditch the energy drinks loaded with caffeine, other stimulants, and who knows what else, and head over to drinkalchemy.com today. Live with your mind unbound and save 10% off your order by using code CDSF at checkout. That's drinkalchemy.com, promo code CDSF for 10% off your order today. The video game on the bike, did you play video games growing up? Uh, horribly. Uh, I was not good. The only thing I was ever good at was Tiger Woods, um, which I did. No, it's not Tiger Woods, but the new one with Tiger Woods this year. 
I download it on Steam, play that with my buddy once in a while. Yeah. But that was always good at. My buddies were really, really proficient at Halo. Like they, I mean, we did the land parties, right? Like we didn't have all the cool stuff that they have now. So oh, yeah. we'd go to his house and everybody, you know, bring two or three Xboxes and you need to have enough wires to literally circumvent your place 15 times and it'd be going from room to room. <laughs> but it was pretty cool. And, you know, I'd go and try to play and then absolutely get worked over. So I'd, pretty much watch but they, it was fun i mean that was what i grew up in i remember rocky boxing game was was fun on the xbox yeah i think we had that jay rocky boxing i think so yeah yeah, yeah i it think so came along at a good time and then you know for people that were into rocky and like then all of a sudden you're watching every rocky um but yeah i remember i had a cool xbox green xbox halo edition i wish i still had it um but yeah, like the N64 was probably the bread and butter, I think, of probably all of our generation. You're a little younger than me, but I think it no, would still N64 be. No, the N64 was like, because we had the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo, mm -hmm. and then N64, probably the end of elementary school, late 90s. I think 90s. it was uh, 95. Yeah. Maybe yeah. A later than that. 95, 96, I feel like it took off like yeah. wildfire, obviously with Bond and Go-Kart. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, GoldenEye was good. Yep. Yeah, Play Wave Rider. PlayStation was like our peak. <laughs> Like the mm -hmm. PlayStation One. Okay, I was more PS Two. I know I'm only a couple of years behind you, but yeah. PS Two. PlayStation was One was like the, oh shit, this is yeah, <laughs> this is fucking sweet. Yep. And then you got the PlayStation Two and everything else after that. But yeah, like the, I remember because I had the Super Nintendo and N64 and everything, and then I got the PlayStation, and I was like, oh, this is sweet. Because like, I had like a Sega too, and I was a big Madden guy. Sega, you, yep. You could play Madden on Nintendo. That was only on Sega. Yep. Then you got the PlayStation, and Madden was on there, and I was like, wow, this is way better. And now I look back, and I'm like, wow, this is garbage. <laughs> we, grew, we grew up in the weirdest time where when we were younger, there was no internet, no cell phone. no. When we game Jordan, and we played on Super Nintendo, mm -hmm. Or Nintendo, I don't know when saving started to be a thing, but you used to not be able to save your game. Yeah, you leave it on all night. You, I, think, I, think I think PlayStation was the first thing <laughs> you could if, do that. With a memory card. Yeah, yeah. the memory if card. You got yeah. To, yeah. If you got stories. to a certain level in like, in like Mario Party 3, we'd be like, oh, like, Dad, don't, like, don't touch this. We have to leave it on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's wild to think about. Leave the TV on all night. Oh. Yeah, you couldn't touch it. I vividly remember getting a CD-ROM installed on like the the computer tower. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't have one. It yeah, had, it just had a hard disk. You know the floppy disk. Yeah, they call them floppy, but they weren't right. It was <laughs> yeah, like right. a hard disk. It didn't make any sense. But yeah, I remember getting like the CD-ROM and like loading up Encarta and being like, oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could find out anything on Encarta. <laughs> yeah, we've seen it all really growing up in terms of this technology progression. Yeah, I remember getting a. Yeah, installing a CD burner. So you had like in the yeah. tower, you had like the regular CD drive, and then you install another one. Yep, to burn so, a CD. So then you could burn it. You could burn a CD. I had like an external one, and then eventually we got like a new computer that had it built in and whatnot. But I remember like there was an external thing. I had to put like the blank CD in, and then you put the other one in, and then it copies it. And just a trapper keeper full of like blockbuster ripoffs. Yep. <laughs> oh, blockbuster. What was that? They just posted something making fun of Netflix for the the. The password sharing, they were like roasted Netflix on it. It was great. It was fantastic. Everybody password shares. Yeah, but Netflix is like cracking down on it in some way. Like in that way that they actually can. I forget how. Dude, HBO yeah. HBO pissed me off this week. Why? Because they, I went to click on HBO Max. Oh, mm -hmm. new app? 
Yeah, new app. We're just going to call ourselves Max now. I don't have to remember my login. Well, this is the third iteration. Before it was HBO, and then they went to it Max. Was, it, it was, was HBO like, okay. Go, and no. then HBO Max. Yes, yeah. they HBO had Go, Go and Now. Mm-hmm. And yep. then Go and Now came, came Max. Max. Mm-hmm. Came HBO Max. And now yeah. something else, yeah. And now Why? it's Max. Now it's Why? Max. Why, Jay? They merged with Discovery. Didn't they merge with, didn't they get some of Cinemax too, I think? I don't know about Cinemax, but it's all Discovery Plus and HBO content. But then they're app. just rebranding? They're rebranding. It's awesome. I'm going to have to remember my password Yeah, now. that's what pissed me off. I was like, Sam, do you know this? She's like, no, I don't know our password. <laughs> that means I'm going to have to remember Jesse's password. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I'll yeah, figure it out. No, no more Barry for you. Just confused. It's <laughs> a great me, show. Man. It's getting weird, though. I haven't watched the new season. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. I w- have you? Have anybody? Who's no. the, What's the comedian's name? Bill Who's, Hader. Yeah. It, Never watch. It like starts out normal like the other ones, and then where, where the Is part it, where we're at... Like what season is this? Getting uh, weird. Three, three. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've only watched the first two. I didn't watch the third one yet. We loved it. It's just it's getting pretty weird. I don't know how they're gonna circle back to reality, but <laughs> I don't know. They've left reality, or they might not. <laughs> I mean, it's it is it is TV TV. Yeah. Yeah. Shows jumped a shark. You watch? Um, I think you should leave on Netflix. Do you know no. What that? No. New season just came out. Jordy was telling me to watch it. Yeah, sketch comedy. Yeah, wacky, wacky sketch comedy. I love it. <laughs> it's a certain flavor of comedy, but I'll give it a look. Kate and I try to get you know a show to watch for the you know the post kid getting down dinner time. Mm-hmm. Try to do that a couple times a week. We've been pretty good to going to bed early because it just makes us better people if we get some sleep. But you know, there's been a few shows that we'll watch. Um, we like Lasso. Did you guys watch Ted Lasso? No, Apple's like plus is the only thing I don't have. Yeah, we like that, and then. Um, What's the one? It's with Gardner, Jennifer Gardner, and the guy from Lord of um, or Game of Thrones. Um, the last thing I said to you, or something like that. There's a book. It's just on HBO. It's decent. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, that's real though. The post kid, you know, before I'd get home and be like, "What am I gonna, you know, what am I gonna binge on for three hours yeah. before you go to bed?" Yeah. But now it's like you know, you put the baby down, yeah. and you're like. Okay, we yeah. have 40 minutes. Yeah. Like, she's going to be, yeah, he or she's going to be up at like six. So we, we got like, to fit this in. You're like, what are we going to choose right now to watch? Yep. Because yeah, I remember I used to come in and ask Mike things. And now Mike's like, dude, I, my TV watching is like Sundays. Yep. Like, that's mm-hmm. the help. And I was like, oh, that's fair. <laughs> Mike, you got kind of like a whole another human being to take care of. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best. So, how's that been for you? Transitioning from like, okay, all your training and training and work and training and, and, Kate and work, and now, yeah, because Claire's how old now? Claire's about four and a half. Um, yeah, it's. I think everybody goes through it. You just figure out how to make it all work. Um, starts out relatively easy, I guess, for the guy in our case. You know, Kate breastfed and, and did that, so when you do that, it feels like the kid's naturally like always there for many reasons, right? Um and it started pre-COVID, so I was still working downtown in Watertown and working the more, I guess, the more traditional job where you work till 5, 5.30 and you is drive that, home. Is that when you were with Normatech? Yep. Yeah, so Normatech was down in Watertown. and Were you with them when they merged yeah. or got acquired by, Hi- by Hyperice? Yep. Because I feel like they're at least... Their growth has been, I guess, or just seeing them more publicly. I feel like every pro sports team now, you see them... You see, you 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 see the the hyper ice and the normative or the hyper ice. I definitely stuff. feel like I see it more than I see like Theragun, and I felt like that was what I saw all the time when it first that stuff first started coming out. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. How much were you in that during the merge and just like riding that wave? I mean, how, how deep do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, go deep. Like, yeah, I feel like it was just Norma Tech. And I already went over once and we sat in the boots and we chilled for a little bit. And... Yeah. Yeah. No, we can we can go down this route. Um, that was Norma Tech was uh, uh, where I where I really like started my my second career. You know, I was a CPA. Price Waterhouse did the triathlon thing. Had my quarter life crisis, and um, and then I knew, you know, I was had gotten married. I knew, like, hey, got to do a career, got to get things back on track to be a, a real responsible human that wants to do things and earn money and have a house. Um, and I actually did a photo shoot with Norma Tech because uh, I knew some people. I'll see you on Facebook ads still, or I'll see you someplace just scrolling. <laughs> Once in a while, the you're old si- ones. You're just sitting there with one leg up. With yeah, the, usually with the my my famous one is the arm attachment. Um, but yeah, they, they, you know, Norma tech at the time was, was still pretty mom and pops, even though they were, they were doing good business. Um, but they didn't throw a ton of money at marketing. They didn't need to, you know, the, the word of mouth is how they, they grew naturally. And their products were just the boots and the arms. Yeah. And it was, they did it really well. Those products, like, I don't know which version you have right now. Mm, I don't um, know. We got those before they, uh, no, it was right after they probably. I'll take a peek after. Yeah. But you know, there's a there's a bunch of models from 2011 to um, 2018 that are just they'll work forever. I mean, we literally used to have, um, and they probably still do at the at the headquarters in Watertown. There's boots down there that have been going for like seven years in a row. They just for you know testing. So it's just we're gonna leave this thing on and see when it breaks. Um, and those were that was you know the old school product where you were making them in house you know getting the chips abroad but then they're getting put together in Massachusetts and then everything um, was going down right right at our spot um, but anyways you know I did a photo shoot and I was definitely not there for the glam I was more just to ride my bike around and <laughs> and be an R model with my my head out of the picture <laughs> while like you know the the supermodels are there for for everything else. Um, but then, you know, I said, yeah, I'm an accountant. And they're like, we need an accountant. I'm like, great. Just, what do you need? And I'll come in and do anything. I just work. So you showed up for a photo shoot. And I, yeah. And then we were having dinner or something after. And they said something. I'm like, hey, just give me a call. <laughs> and right. so I was like, yeah, I'll work hourly. I'll do whatever you need. Um, that's that's how I got a job with them. And then, yeah, it progressed well. I, you know, I dove in. And I think my, my background, you know, started showing through. And I was valuable uh, as a you know, as an accountant. Um, but it was a great time. I mean, I, I really liked the size of the company at that time. They, I got to put my hands in a lot of different things. They would ask me questions on marketing and connect me with cyclists that were in the pro tour, doing the tour de France, um, anything like that. So if they had a connection, then you know, they could use me to make that, or people would reach out to me. And it was fun as a, you know, as a, a number cruncher to sit behind a screen all day to have, um, have some connections with pro athletes in different sports, whether it was actually hooking them up with a pair of boots because they reached out, um, or like getting a check from like probably can't get in trouble for this, like Baker Mayfield's foundation and seeing Baker Mayfield's check that he signs. It's cool. That's yeah, cool. I mean, I assume he signed it unless it was like a stamp, <laughs> but that stuff gets you through the day. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And then, you know, fast forward to literally on. Um, I mean, I think they acquired, Hyperice acquired Norma Tech on like February 29th, I think it was the official day or 28th, I forget, leap year or whatever was going on. Um, 
so yeah, it was literally 13 days before the pandemic. I remember all the team from the West Coast, Hyperice came out to meet everybody. Peak peak COVID going nuts. <laughs> and then they go home and then the 13th hits and then everybody's like, and we didn't work from home. Nobody did. We didn't have laptops. We had desktops. It was very, uh, it was good. It was a good, healthy environment. Right. So everybody's like scrounging for laptops. And I remember like, hey, you know, see you again in a couple of weeks, guys. Yeah, and that's how it was. Never saw anybody else again. Yeah. Um, and so I've been, you know, working from my basement since. And we went through, and I was part of like two years of that that merger happening, you know, Hyperice acquiring Normatech and, you know, all the things that go on with uh, taking over a company, merging the two different lines of business and, you know, learned a lot. I, I definitely accelerated my career in two years. It's probably like six years worth in two. Um, and I think that's, you know, not to go down this route, but that's probably so many jobs, so many people you either took the, the route of busting your butt during the pandemic and really locking in and being valuable or you skated by. Yeah. And I think those are two different paths that people could take given mm -hmm. the opportunity. Yeah. I feel like those are two different paths. People, just their makeup, they want to go one or the other yeah. just because of how they are. Like, mm -hmm. I really like living in Boston because a lot, I felt a lot of people I was, uh, was around, they wanted to take the Buster Balls path. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they were in the grind all day, every day. And that was an adjustment for me coming back here because it was way more of just, you know, there's people that bust their ass, but just a lot more people who are okay just kind of coasting mm -hmm. with yeah. where they're at. Yep, absolutely. Was, Definitely the big cha biggest change from going like Boston or for me, like New York City was that just the mentality of everybody around you. Mm -hmm. Not just like your friends, but like literally everybody around you is. Everything, like Matt, when I was at Pure, if I got a new lead, so a phone call or an email, if I didn't hit that lead within 24 hours, they're gone. They're 100% yeah. gone. Mm -hmm. yep. And I've taken that to here. Like we got 24 hours, we got to reply to somebody back. Mm -hmm. Where really you have, a, you have a cushion around here. Yeah. But yeah, a little more cushion, it's, but. it's like, that's an example I always think about. Like, if I didn't hit this person back, they're gone, though. Yeah. But it speaks to, it speaks to your, it speaks to your business acumen and just what you're trying to do to do it mm -hmm. the right way. Well, yeah. and people appreciate that you do reach out within 24 hours. You know, even though we may have that cushion, like, people would prefer that they don't have to wait, yeah. you know? They don't want, they don't want to wait for a response for something. It's all, everybody wants immediate mm -hmm. now. Like, oh, your email goes right to your phone. I should be able to, you should be able to yeah. like see it now. Because but. you can go on Google and find 15 other places that you could drive to. So yeah. yeah. All right. I'll just do All right. that. You don't want to, you don't <laughs> want to respond to me. All right. So it does speak volumes to us. Um, <laughs> we'll fix that. We'll the fix sign, that. The sign just fell down. Jordan's it, laughing at something and I want to know what. Is it, is it, no, is I was it laughing at that. I'm sending. My <laughs> <laughs> is it, is it hard for you sometimes now working at a computer? Yeah, I think I'm normal. Like I'm an active person, but mm -hmm. my job, the one that, you know, helps me bills. chip in and do my share fare, the, the household payments and yeah. all that kind of good stuff and save for retirement is, you know, at a desk. Um, I think it's definitely something I struggle with. Like I would love to, you know, be a manual labor sometimes because I like being outside and in the sun and mm -hmm. doing something. And, um, my thing is sitting in front of a computer and being good at Excel and managing stuff in my head and writing notes down. And there's value to that because it's, it's not a, 
it's not fun and not easy. No, I, there's there's <laughs> there's value to that. I mean, hundred percent. It's like I I do a lot of the business work in here, and Paul's helped me taking some of that off my plate. Yep. But I like to organize. I like to clean things up. I like to visualize things. So doing all the the Excel, the financial stuff, I I like that. But I couldn't just do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am a I am a manual laborer at heart. Yep. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. I mean, that's how my dad was. I work forever, my you know, painting houses for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's just how I operate. So mm-hmm. being able to then step away from that and then working here, interacting all day. Yeah. I mean, it's not like what you think of as manual labor, but it, I mean, you're on your feet all day. You're moving uh, around, you're, dem- you're demoing things. Yep. It's half the reason how I can stay in shape and whatnot because I got to do a thousand exercises a day, <laughs> even if I'm not yeah. working out. Yeah. But then you're right. It is tough. I had a... A friend texted me a couple of weeks ago. Hey, can we uh, do a phone call? A friend from Boston. Uh, I'm thinking of starting my own business. And we're talking through it all. He's like, how did you, what were the biggest things? I love this kid. He's good. But he he, you know, he probably wrote down all these questions before the phone call. Yeah. Um, yeah. What were the biggest things that allowed you to get it started? And I said, well, the first biggest thing was that Sam had a job. Mm-hmm. that could support us financially that had health insurance it's like right you have to be willing to sacrifice that if mm-hmm. you're the insurance guy and the paying the bills guy right now then you're gonna have a tough situation on your plate yeah. yep because what are you gonna do for the first three months six months mm-hmm. a year mm-hmm. who knows until you start becoming profitable yeah. and can put money in your pocket and can afford insurance for yourself and i was like second you gotta f- find the money to do what you want to do what do you have and then third, are you willing to work and like work probably 80 plus hours a week for the foreseeable future? He's like, do you think I really need to work 80 plus a week? And I was like, well, do you think you really need to do this then? <laughs> it like, shouldn't be a need. It should be a want. At right. That point. So I was like, do you think this is really, <laughs> really what you want to do? Like, mm-hmm. you got to really think about this. Mm-hmm. It's a. Uh, well, and that goes back to what I said on the one end of the one podcast. Where it's like, if you do what you love, you're going to work more, mm-hmm. but it's not going to feel like it. Yep. Like, you will work more if you do something that you like to do because you want to put in the effort work. You want to put in the effort. You like the reward you get from it, you know, but it doesn't feel like it. You know, 90% of the time when I'm here, it doesn't feel like work. You know, the things that feel like work for me are the computer things, but it's got to get done. Yeah, yeah. It's got to get done. And, you know, if it's got to get done, then it'll get done, you yep. know, just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. So you think about like how can I do I always have to be behind a computer? What else like your brain's always thinking that. What else could I do? What's the next the the next thing? Yeah, always. Um but that's the thing, it's it's hard to really hard to take that leap when there's other things on your plate. Yeah. Um and yeah, you, you gotta really plan out what what matters, um what you really think you're into. Um, it has to be very calculated. Yeah, <laughs> you can't just you can't just look at step one. You got to look at two, three, all yeah. the way to Z. And then you, you know? got to you know that's it's just like you had Sam that said go do it. You know you have to have the support of your family, your partner, whoever it is, your business partner, somebody that says like just go do it. And then you have to trust in yourself that you you can kick butt at it regardless because nobody else is gonna believe in you. Um, they're just gonna everybody. People like to to shirk hard work and if they don't have to um but it takes a leap of faith to start something of your own yeah 
for sure. Yeah, for sure it does. This episode of Off Exit 10 is brought to you by Anchor and the all-new Anchor Pro. Crafted to endure the most high-performance workouts without the high cost and space requirements of a standard cable machine. Named the best portable cable machine by Men's Health Home Gym Awards, Anchor provides the full functionality of a cable machine in one small space-saving unit. Designed with user-friendliness in mind, Anchor can simply be attached to any squat rack or placed on any wall in your home gym using its intuitive sliding track mount. With up to 65 pounds of resistance, Anchor is built for high speed and controlled exercises alike, from cable presses and rows to chops and lifts. The Anchor has been a game changer for us here at CDSF, and now you can enjoy the same professional quality cable machine in your own home gym by heading over to anchortraining.com and using code CDSF10 for 10% off your order today. Get all the benefits of a cable machine without the high cost and installation fees. Enjoy the portable luxury and space-saving performance of Anchor today by going to anchortraining.com and using code CDSF10 at checkout. That's anchortraining.com, promo code CDSF10 for 10% off your order today. So you have a fundraiser coming up, right? Sure do. For Claire. Yep. For yep. Claire. I uh, I was going to text you this yesterday, but I was like, I'll just tell him in person. I was scrolling, not yesterday, maybe Friday. I was scrolling after we texted. Mm-hmm. I made some of these notes. I was scrolling through your Instagram. Yep. Just scrolling down, clicking on posts, reading them to see what you've been up to. And I got to it early post of Claire mm-hmm. when she first got diagnosed. I think you made a post. And bro, fuck me up. I was sitting in the office crying, Paul. I was yeah. like, holy shit. I feel like I dude. came in the office and you were I could tell like something wasn't and you were talking about it. You talked about it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's different that we have a baby now. You mm-hmm. know, it's like I probably saw that five years ago. I was like, fuck man, this is tough for Matt and Kate, but it's a whole it's a whole nother thing when you're like, you have your own baby. And yeah. you're like, how do you even it's like watching a movie where a kid gets hurt. <laughs> You're like, oh, I can't watch this. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you don't mind, just we'll tell a little bit about your story and mm-hmm. Claire and she's kicking butt now, but what you guys went through and the fundraiser. and Yeah. Um, so the backstory, and we get to the fundraiser, but the backstory is when Claire was four months old, she got diagnosed for retinoblastoma, which is essentially cancer of the eyes. Um, this is at like a four-month check-in. The, the funny, not so funny story of this is that I was in the middle of America when Kate found out. I was in Kansas for a uh, the it's now called the Unbound Gravel Race that happened last weekend. It's a 200 mile bike race out in the middle of Kansas, completely deserted. I was staying in a dorm room, um, but the week before, uh, Kate and Claire had gone to their check the four month checkup, just totally normal, and um, they went and they're like, yeah, some. I think figure it was it was my mother in law was like, Yeah, her eye, I don't know, it kinda crossed the once in a while, I should check it. And then after the second time she went back in, the the doctor and I was like, Yeah, you should go have this looked at. So we just thought, Oh, maybe she needs like maybe her eyes wandering or something. Like we had no indication that was anything serious. So I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna go to Kansas and so it was the night before the race, right? You know, Kate calls me and, and yeah, it's like Claire has cancer. That's nuts. She um, she was with her mom, thankfully, when they went to the the doctor, Doctor Shaw, who takes care of her. Um, but yeah, four months old. I mean, I don't know how you take that. I, thank God her mom was there, because otherwise it just would have been Kate alone, which would have been a nightmare. Can't imagine finding that solo. Um, so yeah, she called me that night, and I was yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you take it. It's it, I'm yeah. pretty uh, immune to it being like four years on now. But yeah, it was. 
I don't know how I really got through that. (laughs) I went out and rode 200 miles the next day because I had nothing else to do. There was no flights home. What was I going to do? Like we were going to the doctors that Wednesday together and figuring out what was going to happen next. So, um, yeah, I just went out and of course I was like, had a good beginning of the race and then flatted. And then my day went haywire and I somehow was out there for a bunch of hours. Yeah. How's your brain not go to a bad place? And then it went there. Absolutely. (laughs) I think it broke down. Like I had a friend that lived out there that took care of the the aid stations. And I think it was at like mile 50. My tires are flat. I'm a mess. And just like completely balling in front of him. Like this is going good. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's been four years. She, I initially went through six rounds of chemo um, to neutralize everything because essentially she's got tumors in her eyes. She still does. They're mostly dead now. They haven't been active in two years, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, full on, you know, daughter's got cancer. You go in and they're like, great to meet you. You're going to go over the Jimmy Fund today. And you're like, you know, you're just in shock. Well, it's cr- I mean, listen, <laughs> living in Boston, right? You see the Jimmy Fund all the time. Yeah. But you never think. Yeah, you never go there. Right, you never you, think it's going to be you, you donate there. to it. Right. You, you think about it, but then, you know, you walk across the PMC bridge and you go in there and you're like, all like, you know, bald kids sitting around. It's, it's really real. Um, so, yeah, the first time was weird. Uh, but everybody's so good there. I mean, it's literally, it's why the fundraiser is for the Children's Hospital because the Children's Hospital is who's really taking care of everything. Jimmy funded all the chemo and, every, you know, all, all that. And they're basically connected. But our main doctor is with a children's uh, hospital um, who's taken care of her for the last four years. We used to go every month. Um, and, and this kind of goes back. I can kind of segue back to Norma Tech. And I was working for them at the time. And, you know, back in that day, you know, the owner, Gilad, and, and my boss, Christian, were such good people. Um, like, do whatever you need to do. You know, they call me in the office. Like, here's a check. And there's no taxes on it put in your bank account, take care of your family. Like that was the kind of shop we ran back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you could do when you're smaller, but they, they allowed us, you know, they did like the, the HR made on, you know, everybody donated their PTO to me and it's super cool. And it made it easy because we had to be at the hospital a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, and then COVID hit and you had to go, uh, get a COVID test every time before. So it's like, we were there a lot and they were super supportive. They never, never peep about it. Um, but she did great. Um, and the last two years have been dormant. You know, we went through other stuff. There was other chemos that were, that happened that they did different styles. One went right into her eye. It was crazy through her, through her groin Jesus. into the eye. Um, and, and it's then, touched, I mean, <laughs> baby, she has no clue what's going on. No you idea. know, it's like absolute trooper. Jesus. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, I guess the, the last the kind of sad piece is, um, you know, somebody's asking, yeah, yeah, my kid went under for tonsils or something. <laughs> like it was awful. And then it just gets Kate and I thinking, like, how many times has Kate or how many times has Claire been put under? And you're like, oh, 50, 60, <laughs> like, oh my God. So it's, it's, you know, we're, we live, we have a different mindset about it because it happened to us. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens to a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, hundreds of thousands. So it's, this isn't a, a thing, but we had a lot of support. The hospital's great. Our family's great. People came over, stayed with us. You know, the first couple of years, that's when it's really rough. Luckily, it's been good now. Um, and through all of that, that, that kind of leads to the fundraiser that I do. Um, in, you know, 2000, I wanted to 
figure out a way to give back because uh, the first year when I was with Norma Tech, we did a, a corporate, like, I think it was a corporate uh, field field day for the company. And you could donate, right? So I kind of um, put that out there and we donated a ton and it went to the children's hospital. And, um, and so then I kind of took it for my own and did it my own. It's called like fundraise your way or something. And I wanted to ride my bike a significant amount, like make it meaningful to me. Um, so I rode from Boston back to where I'm from in the Finger Lakes, which is about 400 miles. So I do it in two days. I don't do it all in one. I like to sleep in a hotel. Um, but it was just something that meant that was meaningful to me that, that took, you know, took some mental fortitude to go do, you know, 200 miles in a day can be done, but it's not easy, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, so something to rally behind. And I've always wanted some friends to join me in this year. Uh, it's taking place on Father's Day. I've got at least three or four people that will probably do the whole thing with me. It's just super cool. The same ride, Boston to Finger Lakes? It's going to be new. It's going to be from Millis, from Boston, from my house, um, each day, different routes. Uh, you know, Kate's helped me with a website this year. It's got donation links. I've got a store, and I'm going to do a raffle. So I've, I'm trying to build it into something, you know, akin to the pan mass challenge mm. where, you know, it's kind of a, the hard O challenge of doing something that's a little harder than normal. It's not easy. You can't just get off the couch and do it. Um, it takes some effort, but something that means, means a lot to me. And I think, uh, the community, family, friends, people rally behind it. They like to, they like to donate to a good cause. Um, I don't, I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but like, I like to put on a show for it, you know, not just be a, I'm doing something good. You should donate to it because it does something good. Um, I want to see some blood, sweat, and tears behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's been the impetus for it. It's called the Ride for Claire. Rideforclaire.com is uh, the official website now. Uh, and it, it's nice. It's it's my thing. I, I hope to keep growing it. Um, I would love to see it get bigger and you know, part of it was like, man, I go through Albany all the time with it. I should stop at Mike's, but it never quite worked. <laughs> <laughs> I was always tired when I got here. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, because you got to ride through here, right? You're going from yeah. Boston to Finger Lakes. Some right? of the best riding is from Albany to the Finger Lakes. You, uh, like, is it Pinnacle? Do you know Pinnacle Hill or whatever it is? Just outside of Albany, you got to climb up, and I think it's Pinnacle. And then you descend down kind of into the valley and you're you're kind of running along the rivers down there, running along the thruway and below. Mm-hmm. Um, last year I went through Cooperstown. And it was cool. like the old timers day, so I could hear <laughs> like Bobby Abreu like hitting bombs. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I I, uh, I purposely did it because I had. It's funny. Last year, some of my parents got COVID when we were here. It's like a year ago, mm-hmm. and so I was like, I got COVID. So we we're like, all right, we're gonna go to Syracuse to the sister's house. So so I took off from Syracuse to Boston last year. So I did like a, you know, a Southeastern route, hit Cooperstown and then, then came back up to Albany. But yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was raining, tons of people there. I was like, Oh, something's going on. Yeah. Old timers day. Um, do you ever play at that field growing up? Sure did. Yeah. yeah. I hit a, I didn't hit a home run, but I definitely had a couple doubles. <laughs> it's a short porch. You always try to hit a home run. Oh, yeah. You there. definitely try it. Like how, Jay, how deep is it down left? Left's the shortest. Shortest, it's gotta for sure. Be like three hundred flat. I'll look it up. Yeah. So that was like my high school. Did you I, hit a homer there ever, Jay? No. No. Me neither. I didn't have many homers. <laughs> I think I probably had three home runs in my whole career. 
I had like four or five. I, I my vividly the the one I remember most is you guys all know the natural. Mm-hmm. So there's a scene in the natural where, um, you know, Roy comes up and and he's bleeding, and the the ump's like, "Are you all right?" I think the ump actually has like a line, and it's at Buffalo Municipal Stadium. So that ump was umping one of our games, <laughs> and my dad knew. And oh I was no like, way! Oh man, it's cool. So I hit a bomb <laughs> <laughs> after the game. Like he signed my ball, <laughs> and that was that was my home run story. That's cool. How yeah. deep? Two ninety six. Yeah, oh, two ninety six. Wow. Yeah, you could you could bunt that out. <laughs> but sure. it, it was fun. I think I played two or three times. Usually Legion games um, mm-hmm. in the summer. But. I miss baseball like that because now it's so crazy with travel. Like everybody, you don't play like a schedule. You play like crazy travel tournaments mm-hmm. around the whole country, just trying to get seen and doing showcases. Yeah, I miss Legion ball. And yeah, like town ball, playing with your friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just did little league and all stars. I think I did Legion like one year, and like that was it. Yeah, you would do that like when I, you were end of high school or early college. You would I was play like Legion, summer, and then I got football. So yeah. I'm gonna take this time to chill. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that would be that. Okay, so Ride for Claire, where's where's what are the routes this year? Yep, so Ride for Claire is going to be like, day one will be uh, from the Boston area out around uh, the Quabbin Reservoir out to Mount Wachusett. Uh, so it'll be kind of a hilly day, 16,000, 17,000 feet of climbing. And then day two, which I think more people will join in on, is, is nice and flat, and that's going to go from the Boston area down to the ocean so down to like rhode island ocean rhode island coast um it's going great i think we're up to eight thousand dollars plus um there's been at least you know a thousand dollars in uh and kind of raffle and and sell some water bottles and and cool stuff that some really good partnerships uh some friends have donated um to the cause that we can you know sell and put the proceeds right back into it so we're excited. It's it's the fourth year, um, so that means 1,600 miles this year. That'll be that'll be cool. I'll have to year five will be two thousand miles. Have so a, you add you add four hundred miles each year. Yep, just about. So yeah, hopefully more people do it and they can like join the club and you know have a thousand mile club and all that kind of stuff. That'd be cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where are where can people find this? Where can they donate? Yep. So the easy link now, thanks to my wife, Kate, uh, who is a user experience and helped me hook up with <laughs> with a, a Shopify or something. Um, Squarespace, maybe. I don't know. One of, one of them. Is that, do you have a sponsorship from Squarespace? No, that be, we, I, use Squ- I use Squarespace for a couple sites. Shout easy, out Squarespace. Easier to use. Shout out Squarespace. Squarespace.com. Don't use WordPress. Just keep that saying fucks, it. That fucks me up. Yeah. <laughs> get, we'll get a discount. <laughs> CDSF 10%. Uh, <laughs> if enough people do it, we'll probably get it. Um, no, so it's it's just Ride for Claire, R-I-D-E, the number four, Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E.com. Uh, the homepage has a donate button that takes you straight to the children's hospital. And then within it, there's a store that you can get a raffle ticket. If you're a cyclist, there's a cool custom helmet. I'll have to show Mike when my wife gets back. Um, that I'm raffling off, uh, hyper ice, um, courtesy of my old boss, Christian, uh, who's amazing donated a couple hyper ice products. So $15 ticket, you could win some pretty valuable stuff, helmet, um, you know, hypervolt, I think it's a pro venom back. Um, and then, you know, some other cool swag pieces that we have that are branded. Um, and then the ride maps are on there. If you want to check out what we're doing, 
and we'll have a, you know blog added to kind of give people updates of what's going down when we're actually out riding. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I love it, man. Yeah. Do the Bills ever beat the Chiefs? They do in the regular season, quite regularly now. <laughs> yeah, because <it's>, everybody <laughs> wants to see it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's I, I'm hearing a lot. I hear Josh is a good space. He's got a new girlfriend. He, he's probably going to try to show off for her all season. <laughs> um, the only thing that stops them, I think, is just injury. I just pray to God that Josh doesn't ever get hurt or, you know, you have somebody like Vaughn go down. Yep. Um, those pieces you can't replace and they, you know, you can put duct tape on it for a while, but then it shows through. Especially, <laughs> especially when you play Patrick Mahomes. Is that what the AFC championship is going to be, Paul, for years and years here? It's going to be those two. Those two teams will be in the final four for a long time. Like the final four of the, of the AFC yeah. for, for a while. It'll probably be those two teams a lot or one of those two teams playing somebody else just because, yeah, Chargers could get there. I mean, Herbert's super good, so if they put it together. Yeah, but he's never won anywhere. That's the only reason I say that. Yeah, well, but, I mean, yeah. between him and Burroughs. And the Chargers are cursed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why are they cursed? Uh, they're just cursed. Like, they never win anything. They'll be really good, and it's that kind of like the Bills. Like, yeah. the Bills and Chargers have, like, a similar thing. Like, they just never win. Like, they'll be 14-2 and two, or now 14-3 and because they're 17 games, and then not win the Super Bowl. They'll be the best team in the NFL. Yep. Doesn't make any sense. Or they have the most talent in the NFL and they don't win. Yeah. So Yeah, they have Rivers, Ladanian Tomlinson, all mm-hmm. those guys. Yeah. There is stacked teams. Ladanian Tomlinson's one of my favorite players of all time. Yep. So but yeah, I think it will be Bill's Chiefs for if I was gonna be a bet if I which I am a betting man, um <laughs> I would I would Shout say out do, you do, do you yep. do, do you Shout do that shit things. too, Matt? Well, I used to only be able to do it when I was in New York or New Hampshire, so I'd come back in Thanksgiving. And, oh yeah, because you can't. You I know, throw we a couple bets on the Bills for the Thanksgiving Day, but it's changed now. I, football, I, I stick to like once in a while, put some bets on the Bills, but I can't let myself go down that rabbit hole. I, I'm addicted to things. Yeah, that's <laughs> why. That's why I don't do it. Yeah, that's why I don't even play fantasy sports because I feel like I would get really into it. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't want. I don't want to. One of our other coaches here, uh, Pierce, and I. We'll always be like, so uh, what are we cooking up today? Uh, <laughs> but it's always like, for me, I it's never like, I'm not betting like hundreds of dollars or anything. Like, I mean, like it does add 16 up. parlay. That's what, that's what they'll do. They'll be like, uh, like, I'm trying to think. They'll be like, Jason Tatum has to score 12, but then he needs five rebounds, and they got to win by six. <laughs> yeah. And then the Lakers also have to win. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's like that scene. Have you guys watched Air yet? No, no, but I do, no. I do need to watch it. Yeah, there's a scene where Damon, who's playing Sonny Vaccaro, goes to like the you know the sports book on his way back from a trip, and he just rips off like a 14 thing parlay, <laughs> all of it hits. You yeah. know, of course, of course, but, never happens in real life. Yeah, once in a while I get it. Like I, I, you can see like how much you've spent and lost, and I'm not as bad as I thought I was. I was like, oh wow, that's not that bad. <laughs> like, but then I see like other people, and I'm like, oh, that's bad. Yeah, yeah. You got you. Got, you might need to call that number. Yeah, that not that one eight hundred number. That's that I've seen uncut gems. I know how. I know how all this ends. Oh yeah. Uh uh-uh. uh. Um. Listen, I'll get out before then. Don't worry, Mike. <laughs> one, one of the things you gotta keep out, my buddy. Like once in a while, they do these things where it's uh, you put like a buck in or something, or or fifty dollars, and it's like an automatic guaranteed win, so that you 
you cash out at a hundred, yeah. but they keep it in. So it's just like, oh, they got your 50, they give you a hundred. They know you're going to spend it all. So they get that 50 back. Yeah. Oh, but, you can't cash it out. It stays in. No, the, you no, can cash out, but it's, it's like a, it's a guaranteed win. It's crazy. They just give away 50 bucks knowing that you're just going to waste it all. Again. Yeah. That's it. Whoever's yeah. behind the like marketing and the they're promos, smart. they know what they're doing. Oh, because, absolutely. because they know like someone like me, like I might take that 50 bucks out because yeah. I'm not like, I'm a degenerate, but not that bad of a degenerate. Yeah. Like I'll be like, oh, 50 bucks. I'm gonna take the 50 bucks I want out. I'll leave the 50 bucks that yeah, I yeah. already put in. Most people that it's are- It's already in there. It's already in there. They're like, oh, I'm just gonna keep going. I'm gonna keep going. Like, yeah. so they're betting on those people, not me. And that's where they, you do the stupid bets because it's not your money. It's just free money. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's gone. And all of a sudden you're, 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 and then the 50 bucks you put in is also gone. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mess with any of that, man. I get it. Yeah, it's a dangerous game. It is. Yeah. No he, way. He'll, he'll just stick with the- the cards yeah and making, stick for the cards making four grand i've been good card. though lately like i haven't been you know i've been keeping it keeping it chill i've been buying a lot of bike stuff lately so that's kind of where the stuff's going well too. you got the race coming up so i'm sure that's yeah fresh in your mind yeah it's not a race it's well, a fun ride fun ride fun yeah. ride it's, it's a, good, a it's a good in, your, in your head it might be a race to yourself <laughs> now this this one i'm gonna be keeping some some other horses in check okay usually when it's solo yeah i'm just like racing to racing to get home yeah but i'll have some people block and Give me some draft. It'll be nice. There you go. It'll be easy. Nice. Easy. Easy 400 miles. <laughs> yeah, man. We good. No, I appreciate you stopping by. Of it's course. Been, yeah, it's been really 2017. Like five years. Five, six years, dude. Yeah. It's some wild. weird years, too. Probably the weirdest we'll ever have. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the COVID years for sure, the weirdest. Yeah, it's all kind of a... All kind of been a blur, but in a good way. But no, I'm happy you could finally stop by. Me too. And we catch up and we talk. And uh, yeah, man, I appreciate it, Matt. So again, rideforclaire.com. Rideforclaire.com is the the fundraiser. Um, Yeah, same thing, man. It's great to catch up. It's fun to talk about anything, everything. Hopefully Mm -hmm. somebody listens to this and enjoys our banter of cards and mediocre baseball, mediocre everything. You know, I I like to say I'm a renaissance man. I'm great at nothing and uh, kind of good at a lot of stuff (laughs) jack of all trades master of none yeah exactly there it is damn man i appreciate you so thank you matt and we'll uh, we'll catch everybody next time thank you